Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast. This week, I am joined by Enith Murillo. Uh, Enith uh, is the principal consultant and founder at Canaray Global, um, a quality assurance uh, business for pharmaceutical uh, companies. Uh, but Enith, um, look, rather than me giving you uh, an intro there, um, if you could perhaps, in your own words, elaborate on that and perhaps give us a, a, a personal intro about yourself and, and, and Canaray Global. Uh, absolutely. Well, first, I'd like to start by saying thank you for having me on the show. Uh, it's really been great to connect with you, James, and um, I'm honored to be here. Um, as for myself, uh, um, uh, as you mentioned, I am the founder and principal consultant at Cadre Global. Mm -hmm. We are a quality and compliance consultant firm that specializes in working with early stage virtual and small pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. And so them through the drug development life cycle and yeah. going uh, into the clinic and so we really specialize in in working with companies that are just starting out uh, going into phase one clinical trials and support their quality and compliance needs. I see and then um, look I, I guess in terms of thanks very much for, for the uh, the overview I guess you mentioned I guess so it's the, the development and early phase trials that you guys are focused on um, but what is it? Um, so quality assurance uh, is how I, I guess, see you, you guys. But to expand on that, look, what does what does that involve? How does that look um, in terms of what you guys are doing for these early stage uh, pharma companies taking their, their drugs through development and, and phase one, as it may be? Yeah, no, I mean, particularly, right, we work on ensuring that they have face appropriate quality systems mm -hmm. to oversee the activities that are taking place that are contracted to others, right? So the companies that we specialize in working with are generally virtual. There is no manufacturing, you know, happening in-house. Mm -hmm. So they're working with, um, you know, contract development, manufacturing organizations, CDMOs, yeah. and in clinical research organizations, CROs, to manage the clinical trials. Mm -hmm. And our um, specialty is to come in and support the clients in overseeing the activities that are taking place at those vendors. Sure. And so anything from qualifying the vendors, doing, you know, virtual or on-site audits to, you know, establishing quality agreements with them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, more in-depth um, looking at the documentation, you know, as an example for a CMO, we would look at the batch records, the specifications, the mm -hmm. release data in support of this position and product. And yeah. so really hands-on when it comes to, you know, the quality uh, oversight of those vendors. Mm -hmm. And then on the internal part, you know, setting uh, in place a face appropriate quality system, you know, so a handful of SOPs to support the activities that are taking place, training, um, you know, etc. <laughs> it sounds like quite a, a broad overview um, there in terms of what, what you do, quite a, a diverse um, set of, of quality issues. Um, what do you, I, I guess, if you were to break that down, what does, give us an example of what quality looks like uh, within, you know, perhaps some of those um, particular areas that you mentioned, just so that, I guess, one, so that I understand, but uh, to for the audience listening in um what you mean so when you qualifying the, the quality of vendors etc what is there any specific tests or matrices that are, are used to, to qualify these things when we're going you know as an example when we're going into a contract manufacturer mm. right we are going in there um 
to, to gauge their quality system and operations to make sure that they are um, qualified to be able to support the contracted activities. Yeah. So for example, if it is manufacture of drug substance, right? We're looking uh -huh. at, IC, uh, at a guidance like I, guideline as ICH Q7 yeah. and ensuring that they have, you know, the systems in place, you know, cleaning equipment, training, mm -hmm. et cetera, to manufacture, you know, clinical trial uh, API. Yeah. Similarly for a drug product manufacturer, we're going in there. And, uh, and so that's part of the audits that we do, right? It's kind mm -hmm. of like an inspection. And, uh, you know, due to COVID, we've, we've had to pivot and do these audits virtually. Mm. Uh, but I think part of the value that we bring to the table is that we have been working with the CMOs, key players in the space through the years, right? And so we have not only a good knowledge of their systems and, and yeah. their facilities, but also an established relationship with the teams. And mm. so it makes for a much uh, a smoother and efficient uh, operation and relationship. Yeah, no, I can imagine, yeah, having those existing relationships must certainly help. And I guess as you were speaking there, I was thinking at the back of my mind uh, that doing it all remotely must have increased the, the challenges um, that you guys have perhaps faced because, yeah, any audits, it's, it's great when you can walk around you get almost sometimes you can get a feel for a place can't you um and yeah whether things that you know protocol is being adhered to etc etc but um you know what would you say is perhaps the, the biggest challenge that you perhaps have faced on that in terms of just doing your job and adding value to your clients what has been the, the biggest challenge that you have faced then um with the, the remote work i would say it would be the audits i mean primarily all our work is remote, you know, mm. with the exception of the on-site audits. Um, yeah. And so, you know, kind of evaluating a facility when you are not able to actually be there, mm. it, it can be kind of tricky, right? And yeah. I mean, CMOs have done a wonderful job at adapting to the times and being able to host these audits virtually. A lot of them, you know, they have like GoPro cameras and they give you a really? tour of the facility yeah. and like, Zoom in, to, you know, if you want to look at a, you know, like at a label of an equipment, etc. Yeah. And others, they send you a link to their YouTube pre-recorded video, right? So <laughs> you see kind of the spectrum, but uh, I, I would say that is the challenging part. Mm. However, as I mentioned, because, you know, we've been in the industry um, for over a decade and uh, working with the CMOs. Mm. It, it helps that we have been at some of these places before, right? Yeah. And so we know, and, um, you know, and, and so, you know, from that aspect, it, it you know, it's tricky, but uh, I envision that as restrictions ease, you know, CMOs will Stop. be going back to on-site audits. Yeah. Well, I guess one thing that I'm, I'm dying to ask you, I guess when, when the guys have perhaps been wearing the, the, the GoPro head, headsets, like I watch a lot of things, uh, normally sporting events or people doing extreme sports with a GoPro uh, headsets via YouTube. Um, have you been, are you, you know, are you speaking to them when you're, when you say, you know, please look at that label. Can I get a bit closer to you're almost directing them behind the scenes, a, a live person walk, walking around their sites. Yes. Yes. And, and as I mentioned, some have been, you know, extremely accommodating mm. um, in, in, you know, reassuring you that, you know, whatever we want to look at, you know, they'll take us there. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's with an iPhone or a GoPro camera, mm. um, I think the CMOs in general have done a great job. At yeah. How's that, how's that been as the, 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 I guess, the instructor 
um, kind of behind the camera, but removed from the situation. How's, how has that felt for you, I guess, guiding someone around and, and sort of drilling in almost like you're on a, v, uh, a virtual reality tour, but, <laughs> but it's reality. I, I don't know. It just, it seems like, how has that made you feel when you, when you've um, been doing that? I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's certainly an adjustment as an auditor, but we also want to be respectful of their times and understand yeah. limitations, you know, not only, you know, in time, but also because even within those facilities, you know, there are social distancing uh, mm -hmm. and, and other um, measures that they have taken. And so, you know, we appreciate that, you know, the flexibility and, and how accommodating they are. At the same time, we understand that there is no way that a virtual audit is going to replace, you know, an on-site audit. Yeah. Okay. So look, that gives us, I guess, a quick snapshot of, of how life at uh, Cadaray Global has been looking for the last year at, at least. But uh, look, one thing I always like to, to delve into is how you've reached this point. So, you know, kind of going right back um, in time. How, I mean, how did you get into um, the, the pharma industry um, initially? You know, was it, was it something that you thought about coming out of high school? What's, I mean, what's your, what's your background as it may be? Well, I'll try to give you the short story, right? <laughs> so growing up, I always wanted to be an engineer. I come from a family of people that, you know, my father, my brothers, they were all into electronics. And uh, I was going to say, what type of engineer? So electronic engineering, was it? Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and so from an early age, you know, I, I saw myself as an engineer. Uh, mm. I love math and physics. And um, I came to the U.S. actually from Venezuela when I was 15 uh, on a scholarship. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when I went to school, they, the school that I went to didn't have biomedical engineering as a major, and you actually had to choose between electrical, mechanical, or chemical engineering. And so to me, it was a no-brainer. I chose electrical engineering and, yeah. you know, focused on the electronics piece. And then for the master's, I also did, you know, biomedical, electrical engineering. And, um, but I had a, a big gap after school. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when I decided to go into the workforce almost 10 years later, I was, you know, kind of figuring out, well, how do I sell myself uh, mm. as an engineer with no prior experience 10 years after graduation? What was, what was the gap there? So school, and you, and you mentioned a 10 year gap. What, um, what, was, what, was, the, what was the gap there? So you, you went, uh, came from Venezuela, you said you were 15 at the time? Yes, and then came over to the, came to the states. Uh, you you took up their electrical uh, engineering um, course, and then there was kind of a, a ten year period before actually going into the workplace. What was what was that filled with? Were you outside the industry? What was um... you know? It's interesting. It was primarily due to personal reasons, mm -hmm. but um, you know, during that time, I got to do um, I, I got to do many things. <laughs> Like work at a pizza place, work as a barista in a coffee shop. I was yeah. a teacher for a few years. Oh, really? I lived in the Middle East uh, for a few years as well. Yeah. And uh, learned another language and lived in another culture. Mm. Uh, so all of those experiences, even though they were not in the industry, yeah, I feel that have somewhat helped me in my career, you know, later on. 
Definitely. And, um, you know, you know, especially the, the, the teaching piece, because I, I find that it's very helpful when it comes to training. Mm. And um, but yes, so I came back to the U.S. and I was, you know, kind of figuring out I, I, I got a mentor through a virtual program mm -hmm. and the local community college had a biotechnology program that they were offering at the time. And yeah. I was, okay, well, you know, biotech, biomedical, close enough. <laughs> and so I enrolled in this program and it was fantastic because it took, I took maybe a couple of courses yeah. and from there I was able to get a job at a biopharmaceutical uh, in the manufacturing um, functional area. And mm -hmm. so I started off in manufacturing in a biotech company, moved, a few months after that into pharma and I have been in pharma since then yeah but even within pharma I worked at a small company to start and I think that was a, a tremendous break for me because I was able to be hands-on you know in a small company you have to wear many hats and so yeah. I started off in the lab but um, I worked in the lab I did compliance work uh, supplier quality and eventually ended up in QA yeah Wow, so that's I guess quite a, a journey there, quite a diverse one. Um, you know, even including uh, some time over in the Middle East. Whereabouts? Uh, what country are you in, in in the Middle East? I lived in Syria for oh, did almost you? years. Yes. Wow. Well, it's uh, I guess yeah, interesting to see. You know that Syria is regular in the, in the news uh, these days. Um, I mean, are you still in contact? Have you got still got sort of friends and, and sort of acquaintances over there, and or? Yes, I do. And uh, my daughter was actually born in Syria as well. So Really? Okay. Well, so from that, yeah, as you say, you then came back to the States, you landed in, in biotech, you've gone on to, to pharma, and now then that brought you on to, uh, I guess, your, your QA focus. Uh, I know from looking at your profile previously and, and our discussions that you, you know, then work for the likes of, of Thermo Fisher uh, and some, some fairly big organizations um you know, talk tell me about that those sort of time i mean how how was it working at these sort of big organizations and and that and then where did you go from from there yeah so you know it, it was great working at thermo fisher uh as you know they've been growing tremendously i i Huge was shift. actually yeah i was actually <laughs> in the fisher bioservices branch um at a cold storage and cold solutions uh, facility Mm. and led their um, quality team there, uh, you know, hosting audits and, you know, both audits and regulatory inspections, as well as, you know, just kind of leading all the quality, you know, supplier quality efforts. Mm. And um, it was great. But one thing that I quickly realized is that I do better in a smaller environment mm -hmm. just because of the nature of, um, you know, I like to be hands-on. Yeah. I don't like to be uh, limited to one area. And I find that the smaller companies lend themselves to wearing many hats. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, you know, I left Thermo Fisher and I started doing consulting work after that. Yeah. So, and, and how was, how was that change? So going from a big organization, often a, a lot of red tape, I've kind of experienced it once in my life. I, I was part of a, a large recruitment group um, I mean, we were a small organization inside that group, but as things got bigger and bigger, there was a lot more red tape. And the more and more that came in, the more and more I wanted to get out. Um, and then I think at the time I left, they were starting to introduce, you know, stocks and shares options and equity schemes and, and things. And um, at that point, I was, 
you know, one of the top performers throughout the whole group. Um, but I just said, I almost just saw it as they were trying to lock in the top performers and thought, I need to get out before I do kind of get locked into the, to this comfort zone. And that, that for me was one of the biggest drivers that, <laughs> you know, allowed me to then move on and start the Huxley Morton business. But how, how did, talk, talk me through that, what the, the thought process that went through your head going from sort of the big organisation through to, to consulting and, and kind of standing on your own two feet as it is. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I hear you and and I feel sort of the, the similarities. Mm. Um, actually, I started doing consulting work while I was working full time. I wanted to kind of try it out and I yeah. literally would be taking, you know, vacation time to go and do audits really? <laughs> um, and, and try consulting, you know, like doing data review in the evenings, etc. Mm. Just to kind of get my feel for it. But um, I, I think my break was really um, in thinking outside of the box. Yeah. I actually approached um, someone at a consulting company and I said, I want to go into consulting. But at that stage in my life, I was, um, you know, I was like, I, I need a salary. You know, I don't want to have sort of the variability of, you know, sometimes if I'm not on a project, then I'm not getting paid, et cetera. And I said to, you know, to the owner, I said, well, how about if I come on board mm. and um, you hire me full time with a salary and when I'm not consulting, I'll do other things, whatever uh -huh. that, whether it's project management, recruiting, et cetera. And at the time when I first approached them, they- um, So it was it almost like a, re a retainer type salary? Yeah, yourself, yeah. Really? And, and, you know, they, they came back and said, well, you know, we, we've never really done anything like this. All our consultants are, you know, consultants. They are not mm. salary. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we'll give it a thought. And, and it wasn't long. It was maybe a month, uh, two months later when they came back and said, we think that we have found uh, something for you. Yeah. You'll come on board and you'll help us recruit other consultants when you are not doing consulting work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm in. And yeah. uh, you know, it, it was a fantastic opportunity to to make the move. And, you know, obviously I quickly realized that, you know, what I really love to do was to do consulting and support clients and, and help them in their, you know, in their journey. But um, the experience that I had recruiting consultants um, has been great <laughs> now that I have my own business, you know. So yeah. it, it was really win-win, you know, all around. Certainly, it's it's a good skill to have. Is, is yeah, that being able to attract talent to to you know help your own business. Uh, you know, for me, it's uh, as much as we're a recruitment business. Probably the the greatest challenge for any business leaders is finding good people to to join their teams because quite naturally, as and I I have the discussion all of the time. The best people in the market aren't those that are actively on the market, and yeah, you need to be able to have something about that, that that will often poach someone who is is kind of passive or thinking about a move have a conversation with them and just say look this is what it could look like um if you if you if you to join us so yeah no look it's um, a credit that you managed to almost create a an, uh, your own opportunity make it your own and, and now you've gone on to to utilize the skills that you picked up from that uh for your own business so from there was that at that point when you started Padaway Global um or is there any other steps in between that? 
No, so I, I did consulting for a few years before I branched out and mm -hmm. opened, uh, you know, founded Cadre Global. But, um, you know, I just want to kind of build on what you mentioned about talents. I think that now I realize that more than ever, um, because a lot of people that approach us for consulting, <clears throat> they are coming to us as referrals, you know, from yeah. people that we work with. Mm. And so part of um, my task and my focus has been in ensuring that we are growing uh, organically and at a small pace and not yeah. necessarily, uh, you know, exploding in growth because we don't want that uh, quality that the clients have come to expect to drop. Yeah. And so, you know, you mentioned talent and, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, all I can think about is, you know, I can't just you know, interview someone, look at their resume and all of a sudden say, yep, I'm going to put them on a project, you know, mm -hmm. and then what guarantees do I have? And so there is a lot of uh, thought behind <clears throat> not only the recruiting piece and, and how to onboard, but also how to ensure that we have, um, you know, the pulse on the projects to ensure that our clients are satisfied and obviously that our consultants are satisfied as well. So we look at it more as a partnership. Mm -hmm. So um, when you, um, so you guys at Canaray, um, you started, I believe, 2019, if I'm correct. Yes. How, how I mean, how did that come about? You know, um, there was a point where you were consulting anyway, but you said, look, this is it. I'm, I'm now going to start my own consulting business. Um, as I say, look, for me, it was kind of, I almost wanted to get away from the, the big red tape. I had had enough of it. There was kind of too many rules, too many regulations. I was a little bit more of a, a maverick type, probably a nightmare to manage for, you know, my old CEO. Um, just because I, I'm kind of a loose cannon, uh, but a, a good cannon. I, I was, yeah, outperforming <laughs> everyone, but I never, I didn't really stick to all of the rules and all of the regulations and log all of my activity. Um, so it was kind of, I was a good problem to have for them. Um, but then when they tried to almost tie me into the business, that, if anything, drove me away. And I said, look, the only option uh, for me is, is to start, start my own company, effectively. What was it for you that made you say, OK, look, I'm good at this. I can do this. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to start um, Cabaret. Um, <clears throat> well, for me, it was it was more. Um, focus on the value that I would bring to the clients. You know, I found that sometimes working through a consulting company, you are somewhat limited to what you can do for a client. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you just a, an, an example. So I had a client that wanted me to travel across the globe, across the globe, yeah. you know, get on a plane, go, you know, 20 hours on a plane, go somewhere, do an audit, come back. And, um, you know, due to the hours, you know, I had some limitations from the consulting company that I was working uh, with at the mm -hmm. time in terms of, you know, like overtime and, you know, is it, you know, can, can this be billable and, you know, how is yeah. this going to work with the client? And I felt like my hands were tied because I on see. one hand, I have the client that needs my services and mm -hmm. is willing to pay for them. Yeah. On the other hand, it's me saying I'm ready to get on a plane tonight if they need me to go. And then I have to deal with sort of the logistics of, you know, the limitations. And, and so that to me was um, what drove me to go independent and start Cadre Global. It was the, the thought of I'm very invested 
when it comes to my clients mm. and I want to be able to provide the services that they need when they need them, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, it's a very dynamic um, environment. Sometimes if there is, let's say a deviation at a contract manufacturing, you know, you are on the phone 24 seven, you know, it's evening, it's early morning, depending if you're working across, you know, different time zones. Mm. And I wanted to be able to be there for the client without the restrictions that might come from just, you know, logistics. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and that was it. <laughs> so I guess like, that's kind of how I often felt is that, and perhaps it's the same for yourself. I mean, have you retained some of those pre, um, or have a lot of those clients jumped over to, to using you now then? Because it sounds as though uh, as much as you were with a consulting firm, the clients were, were buying Enith Murillo rather than the old organization. And that's often what I've had. I, I have a lot of, I had a lot of my old clients, as soon as they realized that I was, you know, kind of in business myself, they would call me up and just said, Oh, you know, we're so pleased that you're, you're kind of back. Can you assist us? Um, because they liked dealing with me rather than the business, the, the brand was kind of Jane, James Fowl and what I had been doing and the relationships I had, had built up. I mean, had, has the same been um, the case for you? It, it has. And, and I think that is part of the challenge in growing a business, right? Is that people are coming to you for you. And yeah. what you want to be able to say is, you know, if I'm not available, I have someone who is, but I've vetted them out in a way that I know that you're going to get either the same quality of service or even better. Mm. And, and that's, you know, what I mentioned about, you know, growth and, and kind of making sure that that growth um, is, it's, it's not exponential necessarily, but it's measured in a way that the quality is, you know, maintained. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, oh, I think my, myself and um, sort of Lucy, my partner and business partner, we're exactly the same. You know, our brand has always been built on, quality and people dealing with us and you know they expect that level from now Huxley Morton as a business so for us to ensure that we we are offering that across the board we have to make sure that we're, we're taking on top people um, and okay. training them correctly and giving them all the tools so that they can deliver the same level of service um, so look, I, I know for us we we do a lot of remote training and spend a lot of time investing in our people how do you go about doing your own um, internal vetting and making sure that your um, sort of partners and, and employees are sharing the, the business vision. Yeah, you know, our, our consultant, I, I, I find myself to be very lucky, you know, because our consultants are people that I uh, have worked with mm -hmm. and are, you know, leaders in their fields. You know, they are yeah. really, um, you know, experts at what they do. They are extremely professional and, and very like-minded. And, yeah. uh, and so I consider myself very lucky because, you know, the consultants that we have are top-notch. Um, and, uh, you know, we have a good, not only a good professional relationship, but also on a personal level, right? We mm -hmm. get to know each other. Um, one, one example that I can throw out there is, um, you know, as part of our um, starting our third year, Mm. I wanted to do something special for the consultants. And I mean, it's tricky, right? When everybody's virtual working from home yeah. uh, in different parts of the world. And, and so I came up with this initiative in which we would do like a donation um, to a charity of their choice. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it was incredible. I felt, I felt really um, fortunate because, you know, they, they provided the charity of their choice. And mm-hmm. just through that, there was so much dialogue as to why they care about this cause and, and, yeah. and thank you for supporting them. And it just kind of, I think it took the relationship to another level just to kind of learn what, about what is important to them. Mm. And, uh, you know, so we're still, you know, kind of growing <laughs> as an organization, but I'm hoping to develop other initiatives that, um, you know, having been a consultant for consulting companies that are uh, important to them mm. and, and sort of putting myself in their shoes and seeing, you know, okay, what was important to me when I was a consultant for a consulting company and yeah. kind of bring that around to them. I was just about to say, because I think that's one thing that I often do as a recruiter, sales professional, as it may be, business development. I always try and look at the job as if I were to be considering it as a, a career option, take 10 or 15 years ago. I, I almost put myself back to my early 20s and, and think, what would I think of this opportunity if I were to join Huxley Morton now? And, and kind of what you've said, you know, when I was a consultant, what what would I have you know, seen as incentives? Um, so look, it, you know, that's, I think, something that you and I clearly share as, as business leaders. Um, you know, what else would you say is important or perhaps has enabled you to, to bring on board these people that you perhaps worked with previously who were you know, with other consulting firms? Um, and you know, you know, I guess, what is that? I guess, secret sauce that you have brought to the table, uh, Enif, that has allowed you to attract, as you say, the people that are the, the top performers, because that's, that's what every employer is looking for. You know, you, you can put job adverts out there all you like, and you'll just get the same applicants over and over uh, again. I'll, you know, vouch for that as a, as a recruitment business. What is, what is it that's allow, allowed you to, to uh, get, the, guess, get the pick of the bunch? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I honestly, you know, think that is keeping um, what we're trying to do for our clients in mind, right, and being able to convey that to the consultants, you know, we yeah. really are um, about bringing value, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of opportunities out there, but we want to be selective as to the clients that we can really make a difference with. Yeah. And, you know, I think we are a great team because everyone brings, you know, something different to the table. Mm-hmm. And for clients, it's extremely valuable, you know, when they have someone, you know, like myself on board saying, okay, you know, we can establish your quality system. Oh, you need an audit of your CRO. Okay. You know, we have someone that can do that. Oh, you need a compliance, you know, data privacy uh, program. We have someone that can do that. Yeah. And they don't need to go out, you know, of our organization and, and look for that, but they know that, not only they are going to get what they need, but that we have already a relationship and, and, and as I said, vetted, you know, the consultants so that they can bring value uh, where it's needed. So. so I guess, yeah, as, as I said earlier, I guess it's getting individuals who, who share your passion, share your vision, um, and then also just making sure that you're working with the right clients by the sound of things. So, you know, not all business is, is good business. Um, it's actually sometimes almost about not having that fear of missing out and being a little bit selective over who, who you're working uh, with. Otherwise, uh, I guess you perhaps had it yourself as a consultant. You did, like If you're forced to work with a, a client that perhaps doesn't share in, in the, the value or doesn't see the value in what you're offering, then it's kind of the, the breakdown of communication and a relationship just starts to fall apart right there. 
Yeah, and, 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 I, and I'd say that, you know, absolutely that is true when working with early stage companies, right? Because we have kind of done this repeatedly, right? With early stage companies. And we have worked with companies that are no longer here and they didn't make it, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the statistics are there as to how many companies start out with a, you know, a compound or a drug candidate mm. and how many actually make it through phase one, two and three and approval, right? Yeah. And so, you know, it really, you know, we want our clients to really trust our expertise that we have, you know, been through this with many other clients yeah. and guide them to what is really needed, um, where is it really important to focus, you know, the attention and where it might be too early. And so mm. that face appropriateness uh, mindset is key to the type of work that we do because yeah. we really want to make sure that they understand what is required, what is a nice to have and what is just definitely too soon to do. Uh, where they are. Sounds like you set plan a very sensible roadmap for these guys and kind of have a good business model um, behind it. So look, I guess that gives us a very good kind of overview as to yeah, your background. It's certainly a, yeah, an interesting one as to the, the break, the, the trip to Syria. I guess that, you know, that has allowed you probably a little bit of diversity in cultures um, and allowed you to perhaps, you know, manage a variety of of different clients and, and attitudes etc along the way um but look, give us a snapshot of, of how things are, are, are now going so Cutteray, you you guys kick, um start started up in 2019 clearly we've had um a rock patch um <laughs> in time the since then um look how how are things how are things going for you guys are you, i'm assuming perhaps still working remote but um yeah give us a quick overview yeah, no, I mean, things have gone well, you know, to an extent being in the pharmaceutical industry during these times um, has been, um, you know, an, an eye opener and, you know, we're, we're sort of at the, um, at a privileged position, so to speak, right? Yeah. Well, you know, things are going well. I think on the, you know, as I mentioned, a lot of our work is remote, so mm -hmm. COVID not, didn't necessarily impact that piece, uh, except on the, you know, on-site audits uh, part. So I would see that as restrictions ease, you know, we will be um, going back to doing on-site audits, which is, you know, one of the things that I personally love. I love getting on a plane and going across the, you know, <laughs> the world and, um, you know, meeting different teams from different facilities, mm. uh, seeing how things are done, uh, learning from, you know, how compliance is approached by other cultures. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and sort of establishing the relationships with, you know, with these partners that then we can leverage working with our clients. Mm. So when our clients are looking for, you know, hey, you know, I'm looking for a vendor that, you know, can do X, Y, and C. We're in a position to make a recommendation based on the experience that we have, you know, like we have audited the site, have been there, know the team. This is, you know, the regulatory history. And, uh, and that is invaluable for our clients. Definitely. Well, it certainly sounds as though, yeah, things are on their up. And I think as restrictions lift around the world, that will certainly be, yeah, make make your life much easier. Um, but look, with, with such kind of a, a varied background and the international travel that you've already been uh, involved with previously, what is perhaps the, the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself over the years? You know, what, uh, and, you know, for, for those listening in, what kind of tips, tricks, or advice would you? Um, I guess give to people who are perhaps looking to follow in your your footsteps because yeah your life experience must be you know it sounds incredible you know in terms of yeah um 
from Venezuela to the States to Syria to having your daughter in, in, in Syria. You know, talk us through about perhaps the, the, the difference in cultures, the challenges that you faced, you know, through your journey to, you know, right up to, to starting uh, Cadaray. I would say, um, and I speak often about career, you know, uh, as a gap, what it's called a gap professional, you know, or a uh, late entrant, someone that, you know, sort of didn't start their career right after college, but took a break, yeah. um, unwilling break of 10 years, and then started a career. Um, you know, I would say resourcefulness is one, uh, you know, even in the in the most difficult you know times that I experienced, um, I always try to look at the bright side and um, be grateful for the things that I did have access to, mm. and uh, and so I did a lot of volunteering work, um, and, and that you know in itself helped me. I, I co-founded a nonprofit organization at one point to you know work with um, victims of domestic violence. And, um, and so really being resourceful and, and looking inwards and saying, you know, what are the things that I am gifted with or I have a talent with that I can bring? As an example, one of the things that I would do um, when I wanted to attend industry events, but I wasn't necessarily in a position to pay, you know, to go to those events was that yeah. I would volunteer my writing skills. And I would say, okay, you know, I can attend and write a recap of the event or an article mm -hmm. about the event. Amazing. And change for you know <laughs> attending the event Incredible. Uh, so you know sort of being resourceful and 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 being resilient um mm. would be the other part you know i mean living in syria was a great experience you know it's the, it's definitely a different culture and you know but as someone that came from venezuela so when i came to the us i didn't know english either and wow. uh, you know just kind of get off the plane and you don't even know how to you know say hello order food and and, and do anything Mm. Um, I basically did the same thing when I went to Syria, right? Moved to another place, don't know. And, wow. and to an extent, I'm kind of ready to do it all over again. You know, I'm looking at, um, you know, Cadre Global and, and sort of our world reach and uh, potentially maybe, you know, exploring other places where we can um, set a base perhaps and, uh, and go through that journey again. <laughs> So it sounds amazing, Edith, uh, and I, I think probably the big thing that I'm getting from, from yourself is just don't worry about starting over, don't worry about starting from scratch, because you've had to do it several times, uh, and just be resourceful. I think that's probably the biggest, you know, asset that anyone can ever gain is just being resourceful, someone that will find a way, um, and yeah, I guess, yeah, you've proved that sort of several times, and yeah, the message of yeah, just don't be afraid to start is, is something that is just ringing loud and clear um, from yourself and you know your credit credit to that and I think people are ready and willing to help you know and, and so you know not being afraid to reach out and and build relationships and ask for help when you need the help mm. uh, I I'm, I'm very grateful that I have had you know mentors and advisors all along the way um, as, as I mentioned when I first came back to the US yeah. And, uh, you know, I have a mentor through a virtual program. I'm still in touch with her, you know, and she was someone that was in industry. She was an engineer or she is an engineer. Mm. And I reached out to her and she kind of guided me as to what things I could do as an engineer trying to get into the workforce 10 years later. 
Yeah. And, um, and, and we're still in touch and, you know, just kind of seeing my journey. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so people are there, you know, and, and you have to be uh, willing to reach out. This is part of why I love to be a mentor and, and help, you know, a lot of people, you know, reach out on LinkedIn and said, you know, I've read about your story, you know, would you mind, you know, if we have a call and I bounce a few things, you know, off you, please, absolutely. You know, this is what I'm here for. Definitely. Look, all, all sounds very positive. Love that sort of thing I do, uh, Enid, I have to say. Uh, and that networking in general has been a big thing for, for me over the years. You know, I'm, I'm still in contact and they've got a, a WhatsApp um, sort of book full of um, previous candidates, clients and things. Some of them I've, you know, visited, met up with on, on vacations and things. It's, it's great. And, you know, I think if, as you say, if you do reach out to people, more often than not, people are not just you know open to helping normally they're, they're keen to help um so yeah i think that that is um yeah great message but look from, from yourself and, and cadaray what are the plans moving forward what do you see in terms of further developments for, for you guys at cadaray and just the world of, of pharma as we head further into to 2021 i think for cadre global one of the the items that i'm working on is trying to um, build something that would be of help to our clients, right? And so, and, and, you know, and we covered this a little bit earlier, but, you know, a lot of the clients that we work with are coming to us um, preparing to go on a phase one study for the first time with their yeah. first module. And so we, we have, you know, the experience and sort of that roadmap of what they're going to need to get there. Mm -hmm. and, and so part of what I'm trying to, you know, to build is a resource that uh, we can provide to our clients with that roadmap already there, right? Right, and, I see. And sort of the, that infrastructure of, you know, we know these are the 10 things that you're going to need and we have them and they're ready. You well, know? It's just like a blueprint for them, you know, painting on a very simple blueprint for them to follow. Yes, you know, some sort of like a starting kit or, you know... Yeah. Uh, and again, this is more of an idea that is, you know, in development, but this is what I really would like to see because mm -hmm. it would save them a ton of time um, and, and energy. And, and, you know, as I said, you know, with a proven experience that, you know, we know what we're doing. This is what we're here for. And, uh, you know, let us guide you to get there. Fantastic. Well, it all sounds uh, amazing. And, um, you know, outside of, of work, as I say, look, um, we're moving through 2021. Um, yeah. What's... <laughs> It sounds like there's a lot of activity in, in your, your work life. Uh, what are you looking forward to as, as things start to relax? Um, and, you know, enjoy, what do you enjoy outside of work? What's, um, who is that, you know, that the, the barriers down um, social enith as, as it may be outside of work? What's, what gets you going on that side of things? Well, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to say that I love what I do. And so even though it's work, I love it, you know, <laughs> and so when you ask me, what do I love outside of work, you know, it's kind of tricky because I love what I do, you know, I don't yeah. wake up, you know, dreading going to work, I, you know, it's, it's really enjoyable, but um, one thing that I do love that I haven't been able to do is travel, uh, just I because was of literally going to say travel, <laughs> travel that's that must be the big thing on the agenda for you, right? It is, it is, it's at the top of my list, I actually had a couple of, you know, trips planned, that you know didn't happen um, because of the pandemic. So I'm hoping that as you know restrictions lift and you know the world in general is safer, that I you know should be able to get back on a plane and 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 travel. 
Great stuff. Well, look, Ian, if it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, um, I guess, look, for anyone who does want to reach out to you, you mentioned LinkedIn is a, a sort of a, a platform that you utilise. Uh, I'm assuming that they can connect and, and send you a message um, on there. But is there any other, I guess, closing message that you'd have for, for our audience tuning in this week? I, I just want to, you know, thank you for having me, James. It's really been great. And, and you really made this conversation so, you know, pleasant and, and, and exciting. I, I feel like renewed, you know, especially on a Friday. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to tackle this. Uh, uh, so thank you, you know, for having me on the show. For the people listening, you know, first of all, I'd like to thank you because, um, you know, listening to a podcast these days uh, when there is so much variety and more exciting things to <laughs> listen to. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate the attention, but, you know, yes, reach out on LinkedIn if you want to connect, um, you know, I'm always open to explore different synergies, you know, whether it's with other consultants, other people in the industry, in academia, etc. But um, I, I would say the, you know, the lesson that I want to leave you with is, you know, don't um, be afraid to reinvent yourself. And, um, and, and, you know, things are going to happen, you know, I mean, I would say the last year is the biggest testament that things can happen and go wrong. But, um, you know, as long as you are resourceful, hardworking and resilient, you'll, you know, you'll come out to the other side in a better place. Fantastic um, way to close the show, Enif. Look, thanks again for coming on. And uh, look, I'm sure you and I will keep on touch. I'll be interested to see how things progress for you guys at Calorade. I look forward to it. Thank you. Great stuff.